0: 這名男子姓朱鳴韜 44至 你在上面等我暫時仍然是個謎命名為獵豬行動明白
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Heroic Purgatory, an Asian cinema podcast. Today we'll be talking about Jackie Chan's 1985 movie, Police Story. Uh, I'm your host, John Adam, and with me as always is uh, my co-host, Jason Marr. Uh, How are you doing, Jason?
2: I'm doing fine. Um, Just spent the day uh, watching films, Uh, specifically uh, Police Story, (laughs) in preparation for the episode.
1: So I guess we everything about our podcast is still in an experimental stage, but I was thinking that before we actually start our discussion, we can maybe uh indulge ourselves a little bit and talk about uh not just our weeks, but you know, what have been we what have we been watching and what have we been reading or anything that sort of has made us happy the last since the last time we talked. So would you like to start with that?
2: Uh well, in terms of what I've been reading, um I've been struggling through Bonfire of the Vanities, a novel about New York in the 1980s uh, by Tom Wolfe. Uh, it's really dense, and um, I so far it hasn't hooked my interest yet. He's busy setting up the characters, um, but I'm just not terribly interested in them. I've actually got another novel I'm desperate to get to, um, The Summer of Obumi, or Obume, which is like a Japanese supernatural mystery novel. So I'm going to try and plow through Bonfire of the Vanities just so I can get to something I find more enjoyable. In terms of what I've been watching uh, this week, it's been uh, mostly Jackie Chan, sort of his early films and uh, Police Story. And um, I've also watched some anime, uh, Angel Cop. It's something I watched when I was a teenager. I wanted to revisit it and go back through some of the classic episodes because they've got dubs by Manga UK, which were like so melodramatic. They've gone down in um, internet meme history. What year is that? Angel Cop was made in 1994. And so they're all available on YouTube actually.
1: <laughs> yeah. So if not, I'm not mistaken, that's, that's sort of the era where uh, anime started getting to the West and he was uh I'm not I remember reading one time about the the history of anime and when uh, uh, it was sort of like there's there's this 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 one author that I don't remember his name unfortunately seemed to divide the era before Akira and after Akira and uh, everything that was made after Akira was sort of uh, because it was the time that manga was beginning to to be exported that affected production so a lot of anime were made with the 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 knowledge that there was a good chance it might be exported into the West. Yeah, I think, um, Akira was probably the big breakthrough movie, and it actually
2: came to help define the style of, uh, uh, neo noir or cyberpunk, cyberpunk, I should say. And, uh, I think Manga UK, uh, Manga Entertainment in the UK, they played a big part in bringing over titles like Akira, and they went on to bring over more sort of genre cinema, uh, examples like, um, uh, Ninja Scroll, um, perhaps MD Geist, and so it's like a lot of sex and violence in a myriad of different settings. Uh, Appleseed as well, very popular cyberpunk title, and they were shown in the UK sort of like um, in the evenings and late at night, so uh, on the Sci Fi Channel. And I would often try and stay up and watch them.
1: Yeah, and I remember again, this this is purely from memory i might be i might be remembering it wrong but i think akira was the first uh anime whose production budget could could have not been recovered domestically so they had no choice but to market that film outside japan because they there was no way they could have made their uh, money back mm, i'm not too familiar with that aspect of the film
2: i know like the biggest anime film prior to that was um royal space force the wings of honey and which uh, the studio Gainax was founded to create. Uh, I'm not too sure about Akira, though.
1: I, I think I, I remember that was being part of sort of um, my reading. But again, maybe maybe some, some listener will correct us um, uh, in that regard. So what, what else have you been watching or reading? Is that anything else you'd like to add?
2: Uh, no, that's about it, really. Um, so uh, I've been preparing to go back to work my workplace reopens next week so it's been a lot of literature to read surrounding how to um, protect oneself from COVID-19
1: this was also a slow couple of weeks for me I had uh, I had some some work-related conference that I had to attend and I and I was that sort of kept me uh, a lot busier than I would have usually been Uh, but I did manage to watch a couple of interesting films uh, of course, I did revisit a lot of Jackie Chan's work. I didn't. I didn't watch many of his movies from start to finish, but I did read about him. I watched. I tried to watch a couple uh, of interviews. I watched Police Story and uh, a few of its sequels, and I, I also watched <laughs> The Protector, uh, his American film, which he made. I had seen it before. I had. Re- I remembered. Uh, very little of it, but I distinctly remember that I had seen it before. I also watched a very interesting movie that I—it surprised me how much I liked it, and that was mid nineties by directed by Jonah Hill. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. How is it? It's a very indie uh, type of film. It looks indie. It looks like it was shot on a Super Eight, although I don't think it was. And uh, it was very good. I was very surprised by, by how much. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. I thought it was, um, I thought it was very accurate in its representation of the time, and I also, I also enjoyed the story quite a bit. In fact, actually, quite an insane coincidence. I, I happened to review around the same time a film for V Cinema called House of Hummingbird. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, it's the South Korean film. Yes, they, they came out pretty much around the same time and they they are surprisingly similar to each other in subject matter uh they both they're both set around the mid-90s they both feature teenage protagonists around the same age going through more or less the same uh the same kind of um conflicts and troubles so I, i was it was it was a really really strange coincidence that i just happened to see both of those films Uh, At the same time, separated by One Day Apart, and they were very similar to each other. But I enjoyed both of them. Mid-90s especially surprised me. I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I did. I watched, uh, there was a South Korean science fiction series that just came out called SF8. uh, And I watched the first episode of that. It is essentially a Korean version of Black Mirror. And I think that's my main criticism of it it's it's too much like black mirror i think i would have liked it a little bit more to have its own identity to sort of take maybe the same premise that black the black mirror series has but maybe make it a little bit more korean a little bit more south korean and and introduce something new to the table but at least the first episode that that was the only one that was available to me Hmm. it did not seem to do that it was seem just if you replaced the south korean actors by british actors it could have as well been a black mirror episode oh that's a shame yeah uh but uh, if you if you're if you're okay with that then i thought it was pretty good yeah as for reading I'm, i mean i'm always reading fiction but uh, that's nothing nothing noteworthy at this point but one book that i've that i'm that is kind of keeping my attention is uh a book about the history of science fiction particularly it's called astounding yeah. uh, and it particularly focuses on the Uh, what's what's known as the golden age of science fiction starting from the 30s all the way to the 50s it's written by uh let me see if i remember the author's name uh, alec navalla lee yeah i think that's him and um it's almost like a combined biography of several key personalities in that sort of help create the field of science fiction science fiction literature of course um, yeah. at, at, that it was sort of that was defined as we know it today. Right at that time, like starting from the 30s, technically the late 20s, but uh, at the time it was more more sort of indistinguishable from the pulps. Uh, but that's what it started to get its own identity, starting it the, in the mid to late 30s, and then the golden age started in the 1939. That's sort of considered the official start of the golden age of science fiction and ended in the late 50s and sort of that's it's a very it's a very well-written book it's it doesn't contain anything new or surprising about the people revolve around around that time but it's it's very well written and it's it's keeping my attention one thing that i did watch which
2: isn't jackie chan related is um miller cross a love story and that's a japanese film from 2011 directed by yoshimasa ichibashi and it's got Takayuki Yamada in the lead role. And he plays three different characters who experience love in uh, different degrees. So one character is a one-eyed ronin who's searching for his lost love. Another character, Ovarinelli uh Vrena gary <laughs> sorry for the pronunciation it's a very strange name it's a bit of a man child who's like at the mercy of a mysterious woman's whims and she's the millicross of the title and there's another character uh let's see kumagai bresson who's like this character from the 70s who's like um uh a relationship expert who uh gives men advice on how to woo women. And uh, there's lots of um, dance sequences. He dresses up like John Travolta from Saturday Night Live. And uh, it's a really delightful film because it's done in so many different styles relating to the characters. And Takayuki Yamada gives a larger-than-life performance bringing these very different characters to the screen.
1: Uh, can you can you repeat the title and the director of the film? So that's Miller Craws that's
2: m-i-l-o-c-r-o-r-z-e and a love story and the director is yoshimasa yoshimasa ichibashi and it's actually got a cameo uh, appearance uh, from sage and suzuki
1: oh so you said 2011 right and he died in 2018 2017? Uh, 2017 yeah 2017 yeah yeah oh well, that's that's interesting
2: i'm sure like um uh suzuki's going to be one of the directors we'll come to with this podcast because he's had such a massive impact on japanese cinema and world cinema
1: oh yeah yeah absolutely uh it'll be interesting to of course everyone's familiar with his 60s work but it'll be interesting to at some time also cover uh some of his later works, which i've heard they're quite I, i don't know what word to use i haven't uh I don't think they quite match the quality of his best known work but people have described them as as noteworthy uh, which and I haven't seen so it would be interesting to maybe visit some of you know explore some of those films at some point
2: mm-hmm. yeah they were um, three of them were recently uh, put out in a box set uh, by Arrow Videos um, so Yumeji, uh I'm going to forget the titles I know it um, Kageroza and um ziger weissen so that was like a trilogy that suzuki made after he got back into directing after sort of falling out of the film world with his um confrontation with nikatsu over the uh company sort of firing him and like princess raccoon and pistol opera as
1: well two of his later works princess raccoon and pistol opera i've i've heard of those all right. So I think I think that's that's probably enough indulgence on our parts. Uh, we should get to the. Oh, well, before before we get to the actual movie, we also wanted to try out a segment of announcing news. Right. Yeah. So we have and we, we you know, we we can just be think, mention things that might be of interest to our listeners or maybe not. Uh, one one big thing that everyone should check out is the New York Asian Film Festival, which is because it's online uh anyone can go to. To their favorite web browser and actually watch the movies on the festival, which uh, pleases me a lot because I, I I know that I would not have been able to attend the festival otherwise. But now that it's online, I can certainly go and and watch the movies that I would that I'm interested in and in watching.
2: Yeah, it runs from August twenty eighth to September twelfth, and um, there are over fifty films programmed, and uh, you can watch some of them with this app called um, Smart Cinema which can be installed on smartphones and tablets.
1: Will this be available in the UK? I haven't heard anything about that. I think this is only open
2: to people in America. So one of the things with um, having an online festival is many of them are region locked. And because New York is in America, it's only going to be available to Americans. It might be worth double-checking,
1: though, but that's what I understand. I have no idea about the legality of this, but you can always... Uh, use a VPN if you really really want to want to check it out you can uh, do something like that to maybe bypass the uh, the geo restrictions but uh, we're certainly not endorsing that kind of behavior i think as long
2: as like you can contribute to the festival or the films legally then
1: yeah it's okay <laughs> yeah cuz you would have to pay anyway all right and then after that we had uh, i'm looking down the list here we had um uh the train to busan sequel peninsula which is just seeing a a virtual release yeah and um some uh theatrical screenings as well i read
2: um a review over on polygon.com by karen han and um not necessarily super positive it sounds like um it's overly ambitious and not focused enough whereas train to busan was super focused this these a, a group of characters stuck in a confined setting are uh, forced to work together against zombies whereas this latest one is bigger
1: have you seen train to busan
2: yeah i watched it for the first time last year and i was very impressed have you seen it
1: no uh, everyone keeps telling me and again it's my uh my self-admitted bias of horror movies uh, and i've just it's not it's not that i've intentionally avoided it's just the opportunity never presented itself yeah uh to watch it and i just haven't gotten around to it I, i'm, I'm I might just do it now so I can watch Peninsula because I'm I'm sure it's a good film. I, I everybody who whose opinion I trust has recommended it to me. So I have no no objection to watching it. I just haven't haven't had the chance. Absolutely. Go ahead uh watch it and uh let me know how it how you feel about it. Sure. And then you added another item here that there is an, uh, a, a massive release of Jackie Chan's work. Yeah, it's a film label I
2: only just discovered after um, doing some research for this podcast. 88 films have been releasing some of Jackie Chan's works from the 1970s, 1980s. And um, they are going to release um, another collection October, November, and December. So The Young Master shaolin wooden men new fist of fury and spiritual kung fu so four films and i think they're getting a the blu-ray treatment
1: okay and i'm assuming these are not the uh the butcher dubbed version but they would be in their original language i haven't got that information it's
2: just a twitter announcement i came across
1: uh I, I can't imagine anybody doing you know the same thing that they did to Jackie Chan movies in the nineties where they dubbed them in a pretty poor they did a pretty poor job of <laughs> dubbing them and and also and also cutting them and and you know editing them without the original creator's permission. I can't imagine anybody else doing that today, so I would imagine that they're uh subtitled and um book which is also the cheapest option. Mm. yeah, just to keep that original flavor, yes. Uh, Yeah, I can't watch even even when it's Jackie dubbing his own voice. I just can't watch them in English. It loses. There's a certain comedic, uh, you know, there's something, especially his comedies are enhanced by his his actual acting. Hmm. And, uh, and, you know, dubbing just diminishes that a little bit. Yeah, the timing
2: and intonation of a voice has a massive effect on how a joke lands.
1: Absolutely, and and you know, with with all due respect to Jackie, he just could never master the English language, no matter how much he tried.
2: He he tried very well in the protector. There are some really great lines that
1: made me laugh. Oh yeah, he especially when he throws the f bomb around left and right. Yeah, when he steals the boat. Yeah, all right. Uh, so I guess I guess that's a perfect segue into our film, uh, Police Story, uh, released in nineteen eighty five, uh, directed, written. Choreographed and starring Jackie Chan. Uh, would you like us to? Would you like to do us the honor of uh, summarizing the plot of the film? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, Jackie stars as an
2: exemplary Hong Kong police officer, Chan Ka Kui, and he's part of a massive police sting operation to catch a drug lord named Chu Tao, played by Chow Yun. So the raid goes off, but there are some hiccups and. This leads to some impressive stunts as Jackie manages to arrest the criminals. However, it's not over because he's assigned to protect Chu's secretary, Selena Fong, who's going to be a witness in the case. The police hope that she'll reveal some incriminating information about her boss. And in typical Jackie fashion, he screws up the assignment and Chu is set free due to a lack of evidence. Upon release, Chu is hell-bent on revenge, And decides to ruin Jackie's, uh, or should I say, Chan Kakui's career and reputation. And so Chan ends up framed as a cop killer and goes on the run. So he has to find a way to clear his name as well as save his relationship with his fiancée, May, who's played by Maggie
1: Chung. All right. And of course, like any Jackie Chan movie, the plot is almost secondary to the action and the impressive stunts that he performs. hmm uh, and there's certainly this one is um, one of his most st- not necessarily st- in terms of stunts per minute the most packed, but it, I think in terms of impressiveness he he's really at the at the top of his form here. Before before we go into our analysis and whatever whatever we decide to talk about, what's what's your sort of quick opinion? When did you first watch the movie and what what did you think of it?
2: So I first watched it as a child. I like on a
1: VHS and i absolutely
2: loved it it was um i watched all of jackie's 80s works around uh, the 90s and you know like any kid i was impressed by the fighting and the stunts and um he became a, sort of a hero it, like name recognition was high in my household and uh, a lot of my friends in high school uh, who liked asian cinema also knew who he was and we were all always talking about his films and then uh like a A gap of 10 years passed Um, when I was in uh, high school, uh, university, a channel in the UK called CNX broadcast them again, so I was able to watch them again. And then more recently, after like um, another decade, I watched them, I watched Police Story and I was surprised at actually how violent it was compared to my childhood memories. I I think um, a more experience in life gave me a greater appreciation of the pain that was being inflicted on everybody.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I think my story is the same. I can't, uh, I'm sure I've watched it when I was younger, but I, I have no memory of it. To me, a Jackie was, you know, just a, a Jack, any Jackie film was just a Jackie Chan film. In fact, in a lot of, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of the films I watched were in that English dubs. And for some reason, in a lot of those films, they changed his name to Jackie Chan, whatever character he might be playing. He's always named Jackie Chan. I'm not sure if you've encountered that in your experience. No, that's a detail I, don't remember a lot of his movies were uh, he he was in, in the english dub he's just named jackie or jackie Chan. Mm. sometimes just jackie without a last name but i think like you i uh, and this might be uh, by virtue of being exposed mostly to his 90s work i think those played more often on television because that's when he sort of turned to a pg-13 style mm. uh, so i think i had that impression of him i didn't have I didn't have the impression that he made films that were very violent and or that had any blood in blood in them or even sex sexual, sexual jokes or any sex or you know physical attraction whatsoever uh, and sort of when i when I watched this as an adult, I was also very surprised at how much uh, sex and violence and blood and 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 um and maybe realism like this film had to a certain extent i mean Jackie loses it at the end, <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, like that final.
2: 10, 15 minutes when the pressure's really on him. It gets really
1: intense and the violence amps up to match the intensity. Uh, yes, yeah. It's that that's that's sort of what I miss from his later films when he became a lot of more of an international name. So he sort of, he wanted to like maximize his appeal. So he sort of toned, toned a lot of that down. But this film has nudity. <laughs> you actually see Jackie's butt at some point. Uh, has, you know, a lot of sexual jokes, sexual in, innuendos, mm. uh, maybe an attempted rape at some point, or although a mock or or a mock mock attempted rape. I don't know what you would call it. Right. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was, it was, I, I was impressed by it. And uh, to this day remains one of my favorite uh, Jackie Chan films. I don't think it's his best objectively. Oh, which film, which film do you think is his best? That's a good question. I, I would maybe put Project A in that category or um, in terms of uh, stunts and physicality that he did a a movie a year before that something dragon i'm not sure young dragon or something he made it in 82 Uh, i could probably look it up Uh, and that has some really really impressive stunts and impressive fight scenes the story is is also a period story is it Dragon Lord? That's probably it. Yeah, Dragon Lord. Nineteen. If it's eighty-two, yeah, that's that's exactly the one. Uh, I think that I remember that having some really really impressive uh, stunt work, and I mm. also think that's also one he directed. Yes, that's he directed that one. Uh, yeah. And Project Day, those are probably I think maybe his two best ones. I think especially Project A has an an actually really good story, whereas a police story is it doesn't have a bad story at all, but kind of I think it's 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 maybe a little bit overshadowed by. The stunt work in
2: it. I think police story is as bare bones as it gets, but it helps propel the action.
1: Yes, and we can uh, perhaps transition into production details and police story. Like, I couldn't find an exact confirmation of this, but I have no reason to doubt it that, like most of his films, he designed the story around. Um, around the stunts. So plant the stunts first, and then, you know, said, let's figure out how we get to, to each of these uh, uh, set pieces. And I think that contributes to the bare boneness of, of how, how simple the story is. And I think it, it actually works. I think the story, if you read it on paper, you might think that this is, uh, this is nothing impressive, but I think it you know in on a film it's it's like the cliches yes yes yeah but it, i mean it, it helps get and i couldn't uh i we, i watched i also watched police story two and i just could not uh, i had forgotten how slower police story two is than police story one yeah it's more of a police procedural
2: and you're introduced to a wider cast of characters
1: yeah and they also a a, a, a story a lot more elaborate than police story one police story one <laughs> how was uh at some point, I paused it to go to the bathroom, and he was the movie was halfway done, and I just couldn't believe it. I said, "What? The the movie's <laughs> half halfway through? It just went by so fast." And it's just I think that's the main. That's why I think that's why it's it's one of my favorite Jackie movies because it it just it's it's front to back fun and really well crafted and just snappy and and gets to the point without much uh, fat around it.
2: Yeah, it's just, it's so efficient. Like you are introduced to the bad guys in the first minute, you know who everybody is and then it goes straight into the action and the camera work is really good at sort of, um, conveying all the information you need to know. There'll be like a suitcase full of drugs. The camera will pan up to the drug dealer and then it'll cut to, uh, chew and it'll pan down to the money. It's like, that's all you need to know. It's a drug deal and let's cut to the
1: cops. Exactly. And and of course in, in typical Jackie fashion, so when when he does the action scenes, he doesn't do any any of that trickery. He just wide angle Moving, moving to follow the action, but it doesn't he doesn't cut to sort of hide the action he's just if if Jackie will jump from one place to the other, that will be one uninterrupted shot. There might be a close up like briefly uh cutting in just to show to show the action in more detail, but it's not so much as to trick the audience thinking that there was sort of some cinematic trickery to enable the actors or the stun men to do that it was It was done real and that's sort of a very a, a very a very deliberate cinematic way of pointing to the ad audience in almost a a meta a a metafictional level that what's happening on the screen is is real Uh, you know whenever someone crashes into a bus or uh, into a motorcycle or whatever that's really happening and we we film it in such way as to leave no doubt that it is really happening
0: american movie you can see there's a lot of movement when the, the camera angle movement that means the actor they don't know how to fight so this is why American movie the sound effect that's good then the audience then finish the whole fighting scene. So when I'm fighting, it's a more like uh, steady, it's not moving. Let the camera, let the audience see what I'm fighting. I never move my camera, always steady, wide angle. Let him see I jumping down, I do the flat. I do the fall. I do the running.
2: Yeah, like the way he cuts is to like emphasize the impact of something so you you can feel the pain. But I I ran across a really interesting quote from Jackie Chan in the South China Morning Post um, where he's talking about Bruce Lee. And obviously he worked his, after uh, completing his time at the um, China Drama Academy where he learned Peking opera, he worked as a stuntman on uh, films across Asia like um in Taiwan and Korea including um a touch of zen I was quite surprised to find out and uh, he also appeared in um I think it was uh Fist of Fury where he was a stunt double for the um main bad guy who gets um kicked through a wall by Bruce Lee and um a quote Jackie Chan has uh from his time working with Bruce Lee was um after watching stuntmen double for Lee I decided from then on that I would do everything myself and let people know that it was me. You can always tell when it's a stunt double, so I make sure that audiences can always see my face. I think that's like really key to Jackie Chan's style—that he's in every, like as many shots as he can possibly be, and you know it's him taking the risks, and you can see it in the blooper reels as well—that he's performing the stunts he's actually um helping people um prepare for their stunts by doing stunts for them by showing them how he wants them to perform and that hands-on um involvement means like we're all sucked into his um world
1: i think he was in all bruce lee movies but he only uh recognizably appears in them in fist of fury and enter the dragon i think
2: yeah, he's um, one of the bad guys in the base in Into uh, the Dragon. There's actually a screenshot of him uh, roaming around the internet.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's the one stunt that you can see him most clearly. Uh, but I'd mm. also maybe I'm I'm mistaken about this, but I also think he was uh, one part of the stunt team in the big boss. But he doesn't, he either doesn't make it into the film, or he just he he is in a part where you can't really recognize him. Mm. Uh, but way, yeah. So I think. And I think that points out to some of the differences between uh, the movie that prompted him to do Police Story, uh, which was his second attempt to make it into Hollywood cinema with The Protector, which came out the same year, although I would yeah. assume he was shot uh, kind of prior, probably shot around 84. Yeah, I see Police Story as a sort
2: of response to The Protector. like The Protector like um, followed Cannonball Run 1 and 2 which was, like, his... Uh, they were all produced by Golden Harvest, or... they were, uh, And um, they were his attempts to break into the American market, and Cannonball 1 and 2, he was mostly uh, just... It felt like a cameo appearance. Like, there are so many big stars ahead of him that he gets lost in the shuffle. And the Protector was, like, a vehicle designed specifically for him. But it wasn't Jackie Chan style. It was, like, uh, really um standard hollywood action film it's actually like jackie chan style films like an episode of the a-team that's how i felt about it and so like police story is him actually having total creative control and being able to bring his vision to the screen
1: yeah and and the plots of uh of um Uh, The Protector and Police story are not that different. They both involve uh, a runway cop or a cop that tries to play hero. In fact, that line is in both movies. Uh, In both movies, the the superintendent or the chief of police accuses him of trying to be hero to the detriment of the police force. Something like that. They both sort of deal with drug lords in Hong Kong. It's just the style of the two films uh, is different. Um, Yeah. Yeah and uh I yeah so I'm kind of I've, I've been curious uh I'm I'm not 100% sure what Jackie's objections were to The Protector. I'm assuming uh, the violence was part of it. Yeah,
2: from what I've read it's like it, the uh ex- extreme violence, the blood and nudity and profanity. And when you compare it to like his uh films, his films are much more accessible for a wider audience and the characters he plays Uh, Much more um, friendlier, more amiable. They're like everyman as opposed to like um, hard bitten cops that you see come out of Hollywood. He's more like Nick Nolte in 48 hours in The Protector than he is uh, Jackie Chan. So, as a star vehicle, The Protector wasn't um, very effective for him.
1: Yeah, and and, uh, like seeing him curse in English, it was. It's quite shocking, especially. I mean, probably not at the time to an English-speaking audience because they didn't knew they probably didn't know who he was. But today, watching it, it sounds it just sounds so off. And I honestly have no objections with Jackie Chan being in a uh, a violent and uh, part and cursing and all that. But it's just it's extremely unusual. And I don't know. I don't uh, I'm sure that was part of it. However, he later in life has done like uh, in 2009, he did a he did a role called the Shinjuku incident. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? That's that's a pretty dark film. And he's spoken very highly of it in interviews since. In fact, if anything, he said, I, I I can recall a couple of interviews where he says, I wish people gave me more roles like that, because that that's, that's been Jackie's curse since the beginning. He's always wanted to cut it as a dramatic actor and he's just it, it just never worked for him because he was always typecast uh mm. as a comedy actor as an actually action mostly action actor the comedy even i think the comedy was secondary but as an uh, as an action film actor and just whenever he tried to do drama he was with a couple of exception he was never he was he was either discouraged by the studio producers or he just didn't do very well in the box office and that's why um police story is like
2: jackie chan where every all the elements that he wants to bring to the screen, sort of the comedy and the action and the stunt choreography and like his tribute to like Hollywood films, nineteen uh, twenties Abbott Castello, Buster Keaton. That's where it all came together, and that was like the moment he had creative control and like enough experience for, uh, and ideas from the American market to create a uh, a package which really sold him.
1: Yeah, and I think. A couple of things, actually. So in terms of... uh, You can also see... Even if you take The Protector at face value and try to judge it as a serious action film, uh, it has some really impressive stunts in it and impressive Mm. action scenes. But the way the director shot it, you can so obviously see the difference that it's really not a Jackie Chan film because it uses uh it doesn't use a lot i think it it, it's pretty reserved in hollywood trickery but it still it still resorts to those close-ups and cuts and uh uh, using telephoto lens instead of wide-angle lenses to sort of to make it more more like the rest of hollywood at a time whereas police story has none of that is just it's more dynamic yeah like you said it's uh it's action like jackie intends it, where everyone can see his face i actually did um count the number of cuts in one of the um, fight scenes
2: that jackie has when he's escorting selena back to his apartment and they get ambushed so this is in police story in police story yeah and it's like 45 cuts in three minutes and there there's use of free vehicles and that like there's so much energy and um attention going on on the screen in contrast um the protector is very very staged it's like a single shots uh wide angle and uh it's more like traditional martial arts films
1: oh exactly yeah a lot of that especially including you know the the very stereotypical one on one boss fight at the end but it, yeah like
2: you said there's a fantastic there's some fantastic stunts like when the the crane lifts uh jackie uh or detective wong and um a a villain up high into the sky this is like it's a sort of breathtaking moment because he's just so high. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And in fact, that's I mean, Jackie has never and of course, there are exceptions, but Jackie has never been for me, the kind of actor where I want to see him fight one on one traditionally, I want to see him the more elaborate stunts, or the more creative fights where he just kind of essentially tries to fight his way out of a sticky situation instead of taking people one on one in 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 a brute force uh, contest. Yeah, in
2: many of his films, he's usually um, fighting off a gang of people and that's sort of what that helps make him endearing um because we're rooting for the underdog he's literally uh, o- overwhelmed by people and he has to use his wits and his initiative and the objects around him and that creates exciting action scenes
1: yeah and exactly and a lot of times he's he's not necessarily trying to show that he's the strongest in the room he's just trying to escape the situation or try or try to survive the situation in a sense uh, and I think that, yeah, that's, that's as you said, it it, it makes him endearing and, and uh, gives him the underdog image.
2: Well, it's kind of like for most of his, for his early career, he was positioned as the next Bruce Lee. He was actually in a film called New Fist of Fury. Which is terrible. Mm-hmm. And um, when he started getting creative control, uh, when he started choreographing, his own fights and i think that's with um two films of yun wu ping um drunken master and snake and eagle shadow that became massively popular then and so it's kind of like everybody regards bruce lee for his technique and his physicality whereas jackie chan was able to create a new form of um martial arts movie which drew heavily upon comedy and stunt work
1: yeah, and, and exactly. And speaking speaking of comedy, there's, you know, the both, uh, and this is something that I've seen in a lot of Hong Kong films, uh, sort of the breaking of genre, the mixing of genre, rather. If you pay attention to police story, the first 20 minutes of it, there's not a single hint of comedy. In fact, that first scene where they're preparing the, the stakeout for the drug lord to come out of that s- slum area in Hong Kong, it's very grueling. It's very... It's very thrillery. There's nothing comedic about. It. There's one act, one actor that uh, literally pees his pants out, out of fear uh, and and shell shock. That's and you know, in, there's no way an American or Western comedy would start like that. Of course, there might be exceptions that I'm not thinking about. There always are. But as a as a matter of practice, it's just you don't see that in a typical comedy. But in Hong Kong, you see that a lot. And it's evident in Police Story. You see, you know, that it just starts like that. Then it turns into slapstick comedy 20 minutes later. And then it goes back to serious and then back to comedy and then ends on a very, very serious note.
2: Yeah, yeah I like how the film actually mirrors itself. Because you've got um fight scene where he's fighting from the top of the hill down to the bottom at the start. And it's deadly serious. And then at the end, he's fighting from the top of the mall down to the bottom of the mall. And again, it's deadly serious. And you're invested in the emotions. And the reason you're invested in the emotions at the very end is because of all the comedic parts in the middle. You really love the guy.
1: I just mentioned earlier how Jackie had tried to to make it into drama and just was never able to cut it. That's why his reputation, He's you haven't seen him in, in a lot of stuff lately. And I think that was maybe his biggest mistake. I think uh and this is <laughs> my my very humble opinion that if he if he had tried to, instead of focus on drama as an alternative to his action work, if he focused on just comedy, not action comedy, but if he tried to, to, to develop his comedic chops as, a, as just a comedic actor, which I, I think he, he is able to do very, very well, I think he could have had his career extend past his action phase and become a successful comedic actor. Maybe kind of sort of like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Leslie Nielsen, yeah naked gun series exactly yeah naked gun police squad um uh, airplane uh, and everything else i mean i think i think i mean that's what he did he found out that he was able to do comedy late and had an act a second act in his career and i think jackie chan could have done the same if he if he focused on that instead of trying to to make it into drama which is you know never do even though i think some some of his dramatic roles like heart of dragon are okay i think i uh, he's gotten praise for his role in heart dragon i think he mostly just screams in that movie uh, hmm. whenever he the the role requires for it but it, i think it's a it's a decent movie otherwise to be honest i haven't seen many of his later works i think i stopped watching around the time of rush hour that was i think the last rush hour was 27 2007 yeah so shinjuku incident Came out 2009, and I think that's 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 one of his role that one's dramatic roles that I think he was very good in. And after that, he seems to has done a a series of propaganda films for China, uh, Mm. somewhat surprising. And then uh, what else? Oh, he did uh, the Chinese Zodiac in 2012, not uh, essentially a typical Jackie Chan action comedy except it's, it's Chinese, not Hong Kong. Uh, otherwise, it's, it's typical. And of course, it's, it's, it's really not as impressive as his earlier work, although the stunts are impressive in that one. Uh, he, did, he did a new police story, not yet another sequel, and I think this is, uh, again, Chinese, and uh, it, it's a serious movie, not a comedy. Mm. And I think that's the last of him I've seen. He's done several movies since then, but I haven't, uh, I haven't seen any of them, and I don't think any of them have gotten any particular um, notoriety.
2: I remember seeing a trailer for bleeding steel and it looked heavy on cg and um jackie was
1: showing his age uh is that a recent film yeah 2017 i think okay uh yeah I, and i know he's done a couple of animated films maybe uh recently uh but I, I, I can't say that i've seen any of them oh he's uh got rush hour 4 coming up apparently that's been that's been rumored for a while. It might be one of those things that it's always in the making, but there's uh, not actually any actual filming that started. Uh, but yeah, I think always. So Jackie Chan' careers is you know, of course, he, he he's nothing. He's got nothing to complain because he's one of the most popular. Recognizable actors in the world, but there's a tragic element to it because it follows more or less the trend of Hong Kong cinema. He he rose up to fame just as Hong Kong cinema rose up to international fame. He was at his peak when Hong Kong cinema was at its peak, and then he started declining just as Hong Kong cinema started declining. So I find that I find that very prescient, uh, and also you know it's uh, it's it's also the story of age. You know his entire. his his entire work was based on you know physical fitness and the ability to do really impressive stuff and it's just you know as he gets older he just could not do the same things anymore and it's just there's that that you know element that human uh, inevitability that his career followed that it was uh, it's it was inevitable be it sad to watch it happen yeah absolutely Um,
2: because we've still got that image of him from our childhoods where he's just um, irrepressible full of energy. And um now in his sort I don't want to say Twilight Years, but in his autumn he's having to pick out more dramatic roles which he's not necessarily um given scripts that serve him well. They just play on his persona and um yeah, there's some really strange stuff going on with his involvement with the Communist Party in China, which has disappointed many fans.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of give him a little bit slack of it because if they keep throwing money at him, mm. uh, you know, I'm, I don't think many people would refuse, and especially since they could probably ruin his career if he didn't cooperate. Yeah, there's like um, with um, mainland China, there's sort of like a the power that it has has a, a chilling effect on um, actors; they have to toe the line. Uh, absolutely that's that's sort of whenever whenever some chinese figure gets criticism for supporting the actions of the communist party i'm always a little bit more um what's the word i'm looking for more understanding because or sympathetic uh, sympathetic exactly because they it's just just <laughs> that's, that's not necessarily what they believe although uh, but it's just something that they have no choice but to do although for in the case of Jackie Chang, it might be actually what he believes because he's from what i've read he's made statement beyond what he has to do uh, and he yeah. might be, and it could just be economical. Maybe he's just gotten comfortable with the China, with the Chinese money from his recent movies, and is just, you know, why, why diss them when he's making so much money out of them?
2: That's the thing. We're on the outside. It,
1: unless we ask him and find out his
2: reasons, uh, we all we can do is speculate.
1: Yeah, but I'm still holding out hopes that someone will just cast Jackie in a comedic role, just as a as a, <laughs> as, a, as, a as a funny grandpa. Like Jackie could do the funny grandpa role. I said it wasn't the spy next door, or something like that. <laughs> but that was still an action movie wasn't it mm. yeah no i'm I'm hoping for some some other kind of comedy like uh, i don't know i don't know I, I don't know what it would look like but i just want him to try it that to, to do it to try to be in a comedic film outside of his a straight comedy his, maybe maybe something like that i don't know
2: yeah i think it's like um a sign of how big jackie chan was in hong kong that he was able to bring in maggie chung and bridget Lin, who were like two big actually well bridget Lin was a big actress in taiwan and um maggie chung had just won uh miss hong kong
1: pageant she she just started acting this was her second or third acting role i think
2: yeah with winning a miss hong kong pageant she was um uh able to get television work that was one of the um, rewards for winning the pageant and um they could just be like token characters but they have very meaty roles and i love the way that they can influence fights they can um they they as um a dynamic element to each fight where um they can intervene
1: and help out jackie in some way and they play the comedy perfectly they obviously i don't think they did all of their own stunts but they did a significant percentage of their own stunts like uh i don't think bridget ling did her did the stunt of falling off the the building into the mm. swimming pool i i'm sure
2: th- that's a guy doing that jump
1: <laughs> yeah i don't think i don't think that's her but you know the fighting in her room with a fake intruder uh, that was her mm. uh, maggie chung uh, being dragged off the motorcycle i think that's her as well although you can't clearly see her face
2: what well, you can uh, maggie chung sustained some serious injuries in police story too there's a corridor scene where she's being pursued by um one of the mad bomber crew and he um there are these metal racks that he pushes down and they fall like dominoes towards her and she's running away from them and one of them hit him hit her on the head
1: yeah uh, yeah i remember that yeah and you can clearly see that it's her doing that yeah but jumping the timeline a little bit in police story three with um uh what's michelle yo michelle yo yeah and she did i think all of her stunts and uh i think at the time this is anecdotal but she was trying to to really prove herself as an action star, so she insisted on doing some of the most dangerous stuff, starting herself, like in one scene where she jumps into a moving car, and she in mm. one of the outtakes you can see her falling, uh, falling from the car into the street and almost being being hit by another passing car. So, so yeah, so that's that's they're really impressive. I also get
2: the sense that Jackie, you know, obviously with his training at the China Drama School. Like, he's in physical condition where he can, he can take these knocks. And he has the techniques to pull off, um, fight sequences and stunts. But, um, he's also, I get the impression that he demands a lot from, um, others only because he demands a lot from himself and he wants perfection on the screen. And so he'll do hundreds of takes to get the right thing. And, um, he won't ask anybody to do a stunt he's not prepared to do himself.
1: I can imagine him inspiring uh, people to actually just by example, because you know, here's the here's the star, an international star, actually putting his his health uh, and safety on the line. We can't just chicken out. We have to try and do the same thing. So uh, I can imagine that being very inspiring on the set for uh, his co-stars and uh, stunt team. Yes,
2: yeah, like lead by example. Exactly. And yeah, I just uh i want I want to just highlight the comedy again especially the bridget Lynn uh in her home when she's being attacked every element of that scene is perfection such as um the wannabe uh well the pretend killer um every time he's um fidgeting with his mask and having to blow out feathers because he's been hit with a pillow like the facial expressions he's got is perfect and um the moments where bridget actually intervenes in the fights and um Hits him over the head with increasingly big objects. It's just comedy perfection to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, and and you know at the, the beginning of that, Tim, is also brilliant. Well, for the uh, for the part where the audience is not in on it and they think it's actually intrudence. and for a moment you think, oh, this is this is so bad. Uh, there, there's no way mm. the actor and the or the stuntman could have been so bad at this scene until you actually find out that it is you know it is a fake and of uh, the guy was not trying to kill her. And it's it sort of plays on that trope of of you know old horror movies where you know the uh, the uh, the killer would unrealistically wait. Uh, before he could stab them and there's no way a real person will do that but just because the movie demands that they do it but here is actually there's a story reason for them uh, for him being so bad with his knife yeah it's like slumber party massacre only funny yeah exactly exactly and that's sort of i thought that, that that's and you know if you if well it, it legitimately makes you angry questioning it how bad could this be but until you find out that oh okay i, I get it now that's that's an excellent reveal but we can we can continue talking about this but i would like to go over the awards the and the accolades that this movie collected okay uh for a time so he was uh he won he was sort of a, the front and center at the 1985 or 1986 uh, Hong Kong Film Awards uh and it won best picture and best action choreography but it was nominated for Best Actor for Jackie Chan, Best Director for Jackie Chan, Best, Best Actress for Bridget Lin, and Best Cinematography and Best Editing. It was it didn't win any of those. Uh, Best Director went to uh, uh, Mabel Chung for The Illegal Immigrant, which I, I've seen and it's it's an okay movie. I don't I don't think it's a he did he did a similar story of a couple of years later called uh, An Autumn's Tale, and I think she won for that as well. And I think that's better than The Illegal Immigrant. Uh, but nah, anyway. Uh, Best Actor went to Ken Chang for a film called Why Me, which I have not uh, have not seen. And uh, Jackie was also nominated for Heart of Dragon, uh, which he did the same year. So, here, well, this is an
2: example of how award ceremonies can be wrong, because I haven't heard of any of these films.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I wasn't a big fan of uh, The Illegal Immigrant, but I th- do think Mabel Mabel Chong is an excellent director. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it might be worth investigating. I was a little bit surprised that the film was not nominated for a best song, because I think the final song that plays as the during the outtakes, it's it's a really Mm. good, it's a very catchy song. Mm, Yeah, I can hear it playing in
2: my head right now.
0: 拼出一生痴
1: the song was used, uh, and I wonder, I wonder if this didn't influence the, the, the direction that the second police story took, but the song was actually used, uh, the final song, which I think it's titled A Hero's Story, and it's sung by Jackie Chan himself, which uh, another common feature in his film, it was actually used uh, during real police recruitment films. I can imagine
2: everybody who watched this film immediately wanted to join Hong Kong police force to become Jackie Chan.
1: Yeah, just like uh, like um, in the US, uh, what's that? Uh, I'm terrible with names, but what's that plane uh, uh, air fighting movie with uh, Tom Cruise? Oh, Top Gun. Top Gun, yeah. Like I'm, this is going to happen a lot. I, I'm, I'm terrible with remembering <laughs> titles and names, but but Top Gun inspired a lot of people joining the Air Force, and of course, finding out that it's nothing like in Top Gun. Uh, <laughs> but that's another story. But this was used in uh, in uh, in uh, in, the, in recruiting the for the Hong Kong police. And I wonder if that's what uh, changed the second police story to be a little bit more realistic. I wonder if the police came to Jackie Chan and said, you know what, your movie was good, but that's not really how we do things. And then maybe that's why you see... Uh, The second police story, taking a slightly more realistic approach, a more procedural approach with, you know, surveillance Mm. and uh, and slowing down the pace and uh, And like teamwork, teamwork, exactly. And hiring professionals to do professional jobs instead of uh, Jackie being a a one man. uh, Loose cannon. Exactly.
2: It could also be that
1: Jackie was feeling his age at that point as well. I mean, it's possible, but he was still pretty young. So thats uh, he was born in 1954. So assuming that he shot Police Story 1984, he was only 30 years old. And Police Story 2 was made in 1988? Yeah, 88. Assuming he shot in 87, he was only 33 years old. Mm. So, I mean, he was still peak physical condition. Uh, or maybe he just he was just taking one hits too many, uh, and he didn't want to risk it. But
2: mm, because yeah, he suffered serious injuries in Project A and um, Armor of God One. Yeah, where one uh, in Armor of God One nearly finished him off. That was eighty six or eighty seven, isn't that? Yeah, eighty six. It was the year after Police Story.
1: Yeah, that's that's the one where uh, literally a piece of his skull was injected. It mm. was uh, impaled into his brain. Mm. And uh, his head. Uh, maybe, maybe that's why he has not been able to learn English. It's just one too many, <laughs> one too many, uh, one too many hits on the head. Yeah,
2: I think to be honest, after taking a hit like that, I'd walk away. So that's a testament to his courage and his professionalism that he kept going.
1: Yeah, but I think I mean that would explain maybe him taking a few more precautions after that because I don't think. And of course, I cannot possibly remember all his film, but I can't. I can't think of any stunt. As dangerous as the final stunt of police story, jumping several from several floors onto a pole and sliding down uh, into it mm. without any ropes or protection whatsoever. And what's what's remarkable about that scene is that just to list to list a few of the injuries, including second degree burns, uh, dislocated pelvis. I'm just just thinking, thinking of a dislocated pelvis, which is a huge bone in your in your body, and just to dislocate that. Imagine how painful that is. Uh, and still if you watch that's a one take and you can still see Jackie landing on the ground and chasing the criminals before that cuts so he was still doing that and i can't imagine they probably had to stop for a while because his injuries were too severe i read that um after doing that
2: stunt after sliding down a 70 foot pole um and get well getting the film uh, getting the shot in the can uh, he and his crew went out for a drink. It was like six a.m. in the morning because they'd been shooting overnight. So they went out immediately after for a
1: drink. I don't know if that's true. It's something I've read. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine just the you know the preparation that he had to do for that. He had to say several Buddhist prayers. He was really scared uh, yeah. to, to do it. He had to, he he put in his he put in his pocket some sort of uh, some sort of a prayer, uh a written prayer from a Buddhist monk or something like that. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I would not be surprised if that's what happened. Just to give to give a reason why they were shooting at night was partly because the mall had to be open during the day and partly because he was also shooting Samahong's Heart of Dragon at the same time during the day. So they had to partition his time between the different shoots. Intense physical demands. I don't think he's ever attempted to stun as ambitious after that, especially after Armor of God, because the his major injury in Armor of God was just trying to jump into a tree branch and just mm. missing. So it was not, uh, it was not a, a particularly difficult stunt. It just happened to go wrong, which, you know, of course, is it's always a possibility. But I don't know if you can think of any stunts that he might have done later on that match the sort of the, the ambition of, of the one in Police Story. Say police story. Um, I can't think of any. I I know he's
2: jumped um towards flying helicopters to grab onto them, but I can't think of any as spectacular as that. I think it's another reason to go back and look at
1: uh, Jackie Chan's filmography. Uh, and also to look at you know Hong Kong film at the time, because while uh, Chan's and his stunt team's uh, efforts are really impressive, I mean he was not the only one who was doing uh, who was doing this thing. So that was that was. Hong Kong cinema, at the time was centered a lot around these stunts, so there's a lot of uh, impressive stunt work in fact there's a there was a video released recently on YouTube where uh, some someone has uh, uh, outlined some of the most dangerous stunts in Hong Kong cinema that do not feature Jackie Chan at all okay and sort of that in the show, some really really it's just you you, you actually feel the pain just watching it. <laughs>
2: Looking at uh, clips on YouTube earlier, I found uh, an opening sequence that's usually cut from most releases of Police Story where there's a lot of comedy uh, in the special squad that Jackie Chan's a part of. And just thinking back to something you said earlier, how the opening for Police Story is just so serious, um, I think it was a good decision to cut this opening sequence out. It was um, recently put on a a Japanese Blu-ray and uh there's a, a 3 minute clip of it on youtube if you can find it
1: yeah i i'm seeing the link uh but i have not uh, i have not seen it so i will I i'll definitely be sure to check it out and i'm probably going to link it on the description of the podcast as well uh so so i guess we we should spend some time talking about you know how the franchise involved and what's uh, what's our opinion of of the rest of the police story uh, movies we've sort of hinted towards them but uh we can maybe um uh, officially say whether we think they're good or not what What do you think about them so i've only seen police story one and two you haven't seen three
2: with michelle yo i've seen three uh but i have not seen the rest what did you think of them uh a case of i think police story the first one was such a high standard it feels like a case of diminishing returns
1: I I I'm inclined to agree. I think I think two falls in quality. I think three is I think uh, three is more similar to one in that it's a more action packed and more of a snappy story. And I think uh, uh, Michel Yeoh's inclusion is certainly a, a welcome addition. Uh, four I remember it vaguely not liking at all. And then the, the 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 then he did a couple of dramatic ones, which I think he both called new police story one Hong Kong and one. Uh, Chinese and I, I can't say that I've liked either of them, especially the f- the first one in two thousand four. It feels like so. It, the the it, he's I mean he's old at this point and he, there's there's a lot of stunt work and a lot of action in it, but it's just it does not have. It feels a lot more like it was an American film, uh, like it was like The Protector all over again. Although it has a little bit more of Jackie's key uh, uh, features, and it still it just does not. It, it, it was a disappointment for me. All right. So, I guess I guess we can probably close it here unless there's anything else that you'd like to add uh to to the to our discussion. No, uh, I thought uh we covered uh many things. It's quite interesting. So, would you like to maybe close it up with our final opinion of uh, you know, if you had to give it uh, out of 5 stars, what would you what would you rank this one?
2: I would give it 5 out of 5. It's really well told, efficient exciting, charming film because of direction, because of Jackie Chan's star power. Like he knows who he is and, um, his best qualities. And he puts them all on the screen and, um, it's, I can watch it again and again.
1: I I quite agree, and I'm I'm I was very tempted to give uh to give it a five out of five. I'm only going to give it a four out of five because I think uh, if I had to give a five star to a Jackie Chan movie, I would have to reserve that for Project A. I think Project A is is a slightly better film, and so I would if I had to give that five star, I can't help but just knock Police Story one star down. But that is just how I am reasoning it in terms of personal enjoyment. This is just. I can watch this over and over again. It's it's a I I find it, you know, a fantastic film. let this uh, Project A and um
2: Armor of God 2, Operation Condor. Those those are the best.
1: Do you have a favorite Jackie Chan film that you'd like to throw into the mix? Yeah, Armor of God Two. <laughs> oh very well. So this is this was our discussion of uh police story. Uh next next time we'll be covering um the Japanese film Battle Royale. Uh, directed by Kinji Fukasaku, uh, again continuing our theme uh, of gateway films—films that are that are best for uh, introducing someone, especially Western viewers, into Asian film, uh, uh, into Asian cinema. This week we did a Hong Kong film. Next week we're switching to Japan, uh, and that's Battle Royale. Uh, is there anything you'd like to plug, Jason, before we uh, before we close this show? Well, I don't think I thought that far ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I can I can say you know follow Jason's blog, follow us at V Cinema, and uh, I'm, of course I'm going to have our Twitter handles uh, in the description of the podcast in case uh, someone is interested in our opinions, which I don't have many. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but uh, there you go. This has been Heroic Purgatory, an Asian Cinema podcast. Thank you for listening, and see you in a couple of weeks.